I'm Angelique Rocher, and this is Marvel's Voices. Marcus Toe is a Canadian comic book artist who has been drawing since he remembers, and he's currently working on Age of X-Men Next Gen. So I think the cool thing about X-Men Next Gen and how it's being written and also how it's being illustrated is that you have this hodgepodge of quote-unquote younger X-Men who were living in an alternate reality where suddenly there's peace between humans and mutants. And it's this forced peace, right? And having this really cool opportunity to go, okay, there's peace, what next? How does this go? But also looking at the younger generation of mutants and what their reaction is and how they resist. And he's just really good at giving us an ensemble without there being any one character taking up too much space in the panel. And that's hard, right? That is particularly true with one of my favorite characters, which is Glob Herman, because he is basically a skeleton within a glob of flesh. But that makes it, I think, purposely more difficult to do expressions or utilize movement in order to tell a story. And I think Marcus does a really good job, particularly, uh, and you should definitely pick up Age of X-Men, Next Gen, and if, if only for the art, because being able to see Glob express urgency through his eyes and his eyes alone is really spectacular. You know, there is this great collective of amazing artists out there within comic books, from the illustrators, cover artists, to the colorists, and the pencilers, let's not forget the pencilers, who bring together such amazing stories and illustrations. And then there are these gems of really amazing artists within the Marvel family, and Marcus Toe is really one of them. He's so chill, he's so nice, and One of the things that really stuck out when I was talking to Marcus is the importance of family and how we can impact or influence the people in our lives without really knowing it. Like Marcus's mom taking him aside and drawing him one day and then that suddenly blossoming into a full career that Marcus now does and loves and is so immensely passionate about. This is Marcus Toe's story. How sensitive people may be about their art. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that I do have, like that 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 comes through because uh, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing because you know I know that us artists tend to have a reputation of being a little cavalier with things, <laughs> but I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I. What's the fun in working by yourself, right? So collaboration mm. is kind of the name of the game. So yeah. Uh, but that's also why, like, I, I, I proactively joined the studio in Toronto mm-hmm. to kind of get a lot of that. Because there's so many things that you, you know, you... you um, the Royal Academy, right? Yeah. Even though we're not really royal. <laughs> at, at, or, or an academy, for, for that matter. But, uh, yeah, you need some people just to tell you sometimes when you're kind of, like full of it or you know like when you're just too high in yourself or too low in yourself too so it's it's important to have all that kind of stuff and it's really great like you one of the cool things is I get to interview a lot of storytellers and there's always 
this difference between writers and illustrators and pencilers and colorists. Mm-hmm. But you actually merged this concept together really young where you challenged yourself to be able to tell a story through your artwork. Well, I, so the interesting story about that is, is that, you know, when, when I was a kid, like, you know, just drawing random pictures here and there. Of um, hockey players. Yeah, Nothing hockey big. players or, <laughs> you know, growing up in Canada, especially small town Canada, you know, it's hockey, 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 everything with hockey. And you're a Canucks fan. I am. Uh, Pretty major. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially when I grew up in Alberta, too. Everyone expects me to either be an Edmonton or Calgary fan. But you started drawing these these random drawings as a kid. Yeah, I, I drew these random drawings as a kid, and, you know, I kind of I really got interested in comics kind of around, you know, 11, 12-ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, because of the cartoons, really, you know, the cartoons was a really good gateway into kind of these characters that, you know, you fall in love with and you want to know more about yeah. their adventures and everything else like that. So I started to kind of pick up comics wherever I could. And one of the big things that I... When I when I really thought that I want to try to draw comics, like how do you start? I thought, well, obviously comics is something you had you had to tell a story, right? I knew like you had to tell a story with pictures. So I thought, well, why don't I practice by reading a novel, taking a few pages from a novel and seeing if I can draw out scenes from a novel. What novel did you start with? Oh, just those old a lot of the old ones, uh, those old Marvel novels like uh <laughs> that uh, Tom DeFalco wrote uh, were basically the kind of the start because, you know, we grew up with not too much money and I wasn't allowed to really buy comic books. Like I'd get a few bucks here and there and I'd try to get the one that had like everybody on it or whatever, right? But my mom was a little bit more lenient if it was a book with word, like, you know, no pictures. So, uh, you know, when you see Spider-Man on the cover... You're like, Mom, can I get that one? See, it's no pictures. I'm practicing reading. And then I took that and used it to basically do my first samples. I don't even know where they are nowadays, but yeah. You got to have siblings. Like, Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a middle child. I, I have uh, one older sister, one younger brother. Answered. That yeah. That actually answered all of my questions. <laughs> We're done here. No, I'm sure. Yeah. There is an art of mediation <laughs> or finding this sweet spot that I, I I see in your work, but also like hear in your voice, whether it's digital or, or now. Do you feel like that's benefited you in the long run? Although I know you hate waiting. Yeah. And I get that because yeah. I was the baby child <laughs> and I hated waiting too. I was always waiting on my older sisters and I'm just like, yep, I'm too young to drive. Cool. I'm just going to. Well, <laughs> my family and I'll I'll always say this. It's it's really because of my mom. Because my mom is the mediator for all her family, and she's so much more patient than she should be. She taught me all this stuff, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, I've waited a lot for a lot of things. Um, like when we were kids, uh, my sister, since she was the oldest one, and she was the the most vocal about the things that she wanted to do. Uh, we all had to do it as well because my dad thought, well, if m- my sister was doing it like piano or tennis or I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I just wanted to sit home and draw. So the three of us would have piano lessons and then one would go and then w- the rest would wait. And so you'd be like there for three or four hours just sitting there. And this was obviously pre- before smartphones and 
Please tell stuff. me you had a drawing pad with no, you. No, I didn't even have that. Oh, I just God. had to sit there and quietly and wait. So you're a man of a lot of patience. But now, you know, it's funny that that's the case. But I, it, because of that, I, I also think that now, um, while I, I like to think I'm patient, I also know the value of just doing things myself. In a lot of ways, that's how I started in comics. I I wanted to get into comics, and, and then I flew myself to San Diego and stayed there and by myself. I was alone. Like, I'm going to show my portfolio to Marvel. I was going to do all these things, and I didn't have any friends to do it with, so I just did it myself. And it's, and it's pretty cool. And also, your mom is kind of the reason why you draw. Like, yeah. um, is, she, is she an artist or...? Um, she is not. Uh, she grew up in communist China, and uh, she was sent to Canada to basically help family, you know, like be a maid uh, to help her come to Canada. And so she was 13 when she came. And um, I don't think she ever thought uh, she could do that. So, you know, it was more about going to school, getting a job, helping her family come over, and then building a family herself. Um, and when I came around, uh, one of the th- reasons why she even I even knew that she drew or, or that she taught me to draw was because I couldn't sit still. I was a terror. I apparently, and this is probably why I love sports too, because there's a certain level of, you know, energy and aggression that you get out from playing sports. But I didn't have that avenue, and you know, I'd be biting my sister. I'd be jumping on the couch. Uh, like I loved wrestling when I was a kid, like WWE wrestling and that kind of thing. Like, I love that stuff. And she's There's like, a weird connection between people who <laughs> love comics and, and love wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for it's sure. Very, they're superheroes. Yeah, they are. I, I'd like to say, say especially when, when I was growing up, I know this, is, this sounds really old because, like, well, my day. <laughs> but, you know, everyone had, like, special names. They had special moves. Uh, oh, man, that was colorful costumes. And I grew up in Alberta, so Brett the Hitman Hart was, like, he was the, the man in, in where my hometown was. So, but regardless, it was, it was this kind of thing that my mom would sit me down. And, and the only reason, the only way to keep me from doing other things is to watch her draw. So I'd watch her draw, you know, Sesame Street or whatever, and um, try to copy what she did. And uh, my parents also owned a restaurant. So speaking of waiting, a lot of times I'd go to the restaurant after school and I'd just be sitting in the office. So we'd just have placemats and just my brother and I would draw all the time just so that we don't cause trouble. (laughs) So is your brother also an artist? He is in the truest sense of the word, in my opinion. Um, he's great at everything, but he's a master of nothing. And sitting down talking to him and his challenges of, of getting into the art world and trying to find his voice, but also the ups and downs of, of being an artist because you have, you're, you're very sensitive about your own work. And, it, and to have, you're never as good or as bad as you might think for other reasons. And he was, it's like getting... It's like my first few portfolio reviews um, with Marvel and other companies. And there was always stuff wrong with my work. Mm-hmm. And maybe I wasn't chosen for this or maybe, maybe you know, a project fell through for many reasons. And sometimes you feel that it's because you're not good enough. How do you deal with the negative? Well, 
a good there group is, of people. If there is negative. Well, I've been very, very <laughs> lucky through my career to have very, very good fans. Like, they're so supportive of me through the years that I, I couldn't even say how lucky I am. Because I know that that's not necessarily the case with everybody. Um, I'll say this. One of the main things about negativity is that I, I'm negative just like anybody else is negative. There's times where I'm just, I think the meanest, ugliest things, because that's just human nature. But to have a good group of people around you that you can say these things, and then someone's just saying, well, hold on a second, you know, like, I understand why you would say that, but to challenge you to think that this isn't, this thinking may not be right, or maybe, like, let's talk about this. And then you come to realize that maybe your your thoughts aren't good, um, or... And I, I feel like that has helped me a lot because if I do get negative feedback or do get negative comments, just the fact of saying it to a trusted group of friends that either won't post it online or do other things like that, they will, they will listen to you and hear you out. And then, because I always feel like everyone needs an outlet. I'm very lucky to have a, a, a great partner as I, as I have, and she helps me as well. Um, Kind of navigate those those when the time comes when there's there is negativity. So speaking of stories, sure. you are really like an amazing storyteller. Like even thank you being able to look at the texture of your work and like it's so much fun reading a comic where you feel like the panel is coming to life, like the panel is actually in motion, well, uh, which is not it's not easy. Yeah. What are your favorite types of stories to tell? I, for a long, long time, I, I've really liked teen stories. And I mean that in a way because I always remember how, how much you felt as a teenager. Everything was either the greatest day of your life or the end of the world. And I feel like with that passion, a lot of times we're, it's lost as an adult because of wisdom or perspective or maybe you just, you're done with that. And I get that too. I don't want that in my relationships. I don't want that drama in my relationships. That's not what I'm looking for. But it tells for interesting stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that especially with younger characters, their story is just starting. They're finding their way. It's the hero's journey, the Luke Skywalkers, the Peter Parkers. Those are the kind of um, stories that a lot of people gravitate to because it reminds them of the times when they were searching the world for answers. But now I... All the stories that I've been really interested in is, you know, like daddy issue stories. Because especially as you grow older, not that I have daddy, I love my father. But but my dad was always like the working father kind of yep. image of my life. So like I love those kind of stories where it's challenging your past, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, not specifically father issues, but challenging your past. And maybe that's where I am in my life because you, you now you have all this time to think about the choices you've made to get to the point where you are. And uh, while I, I, I like a lot of my choices and I, I wouldn't change them again, but that's the, that is where the story that I, I'm pretty excited to either tell or read um, and the consequences of those, those, those choices. It's funny because I have... I was reading, I read a lot of Star Trek novels, and I'm a big Voyager fan, and there's this, um, a lot of the choices uh, the crew of the Voyager uh, made in the Delta Quadrant is starting to come 
back back to them and I'm reading it and I'm just it's so good like I'm just so hungry for more of that so yeah like the the stories of challenging your past or seeing what your choices have come uh the seeds that you planted to, along the way how how they have come to affect you in many ways um those are the kind of stories that I'm I'm really excited to both tell and read it's really cool to me because you like a lot of other folks in our generation, mm-hmm. started off watching the X-Men cartoon. Yeah. You and you also were a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which for folks of a certain generation, of a certain age, <laughs> like those, you had so many other cartoons, but it was it was those cartoons with that kind of teamwork mm-hmm. um, that really made them interesting and in telling multiple stories. Do you feel like... That impacted, I mean, obviously, you're doing X-Men now. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> of course it impacted how, yeah. you, how you're able to look at, particularly the book you're doing now, mm-hmm. um, Next Gen, which, again, looks at a group yes. um, with superpowers. How does that impact the way you see telling the story of Next Gen right now? It's, I'll say this, any, any team book is, can be challenging in a lot of ways you know uh, there's a lot of screen time to me needs to be shared and uh with comic books uh panel spaces at a premium limited, a lot of right? times it's very limited and you know you you have a and they have to share it with chickens yeah chickens <laughs> uh ed likes his chickens i i guess uh <laughs> there's this funny gif or meme or i guess a vine that became a meme that i used the gif to translate was about this this little girl pointing at all these chickens so I've just been using that gif constantly while... Is this the first time you've had to draw chickens in a comic well, book? Well, that's that's the interesting thing about just comic books in general. You you kind of encounter... You think that you're, like, master of your domain, and all of a sudden you realize over the course of your career, you're like, I have never in my life drawn a chicken. So where do you start in actualizing drawing a chicken? Like, what... Well, panic obvi- first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because... It's one of those kind of things that is so si- relatively so. It's simple, mm-hmm. um, but I find drawing animals quite difficult because a lot of my history of drawing, and especially, I, I never really went to school. I went to animation school, and that taught me a lot of things. But you know, drawing animals isn't something I'm particularly strong at. And uh, whenever you encounter the, the, with that, you're just pouring over references and trying to look at it in an analytical way uh, to try to break it down in your mind to see how to make things look like they're either moving or alive. And it takes some time and you got to see different angles and see kind of like, what is that little lump there? Is it just a lump or is it that their leg or thigh or whatever the case might be? And then just seeing if it can translate on the page properly. Um, You're looking at textures and everything else like that. But yeah, it, it's something as innocuous as that kind of sometimes humbles you to realize that you don't know how to draw a lot of things. And then it forces you to kind of be a student again and then go back to all the tools that you use to learn, you know, things like anatomy and yeah. um, storytelling, all those things that you got to kind of constantly pull out of your the recesses of your mind to do it again for something that you don't know how to draw. Speaking of anatomy, you have two other very big challenges in Next Gen, yeah. um, Glob mm-hmm. and Shark Girl. I've never seen Glob look so alive. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, 
Uh, well, I mean, Glob was interesting because, I mean, he's mostly just a skeleton. Um, but especially when you're breaking things down, he's kind of two parts where you have the skeleton and then you have the, the kind of the wax around him. So a lot of times I'll just draw the, the shape and the silhouette of his, and of course, eye placement because he has very limited facial expressions and you got to try to use... The Good eyes seem to be like where, like that's it. Like yeah. you, you can tell how Glob feels by where <laughs> Glob's eyes are either pointing or how wide they are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got, I, I think about it like Spider Man. Spider Man has a similar um, problem, I guess. I, I don't know if you call it a problem, but the challenge of uh, expression, and uh, you can kind of cheat things with the way the shape of their faces and but that's the kind of fun thing about cartooning you know it's it's you can break physics <laughs> as long as it's within the laws of the world that is established right that's and that's actually really it's really interesting but also like very on the nose for this particular book mm-hmm. because they really are in a whole kind of new world yeah and having them be teenagers and that kind of angst in painting their world and being rebellious teenagers mm-hmm. is really interesting. Is there anything that you've just like been so excited about being able to bring to life in this particular storyline? Um, one of the really interesting things, other than the the world building that is there, I mean, we're, we're also following with um, Lonnie and Zach on, on a lot of the things that they're laying down. Um, but, I mean, they're... The group in itself, a lot of the characters are actually different ages as well, like the, from from the seniors to the juniors and the freshmen and all that. Um, and to see kind of where each character sometimes is at mentally, you know, you remember, we all remember when we were at different ages and you would either be in the position of following what the teacher would say or your parents would say to the next year completely ignoring it and challenging it because you're searching for your own voice and to find out what, you know, to find out the, the secrets of the world that you live in. And uh, I think that's what they're doing. And I think that that's the kind of story I wanted to try to show with my art, I guess, to show kind of the differences and the challenges between the different years of, of where each character is at in their life. So it's interesting. One of the things I love about the storyline is this concept of a fanfic mm-hmm. that Glob is working on. Um, and it actually reminded me of your story and this mm-hmm. idea that you were actually working on a comic throughout your entire high school career mm-hmm. that came to life. Like, it, it actually came to fruition. The, the work, the creator and I did when I was in high school, it was really just a practice. I came up with a story kind of based on, uh, you know, a girl I liked and um, a guy who the girl that I liked liked. So, you know, like a tr- like a triangle. Yeah, the Cyclops, <laughs> Logan, Jean Grey dynamic. And you use that as kind of like an inspiration in your own life as well as, you know, um, the, fan- the fiction that you create. And um, the story just kind of was relatively stream of thought. Uh, um, but I kind of put it to the side for years until, uh, you know, I had people really push me to really think things through. So sometimes you need to, you 
always need someone to push you for more. And especially when people actually listen to you, they hear how you speak and what you talk about, and then your actions following that. So when, when, they, when my friends and my studio mates would hear me discuss this idea, they were pushing me to, to think it, think about it, to you know, put together something that became real, uh, you know, which was, uh, it's, I, I, I know I use the word humbling a lot, but it, it really was because it's kind of all, all of those things laid bare in front of other, someone else. And uh, you don't have the, uh, the mask of, uh, oh, this is, you know, just another job because it's not. I feel that's why you're, you are enjoying doing the X-Men. Right now, the storyline with Next Gen is like something has happened. Now, what happens next? What happens when there is quote unquote peace and yeah. mutants are no longer feared? Yeah. Can you tell us what's next? I want to know. Well, Glop's fanfic has something to do with it. See, Ed and I, I don't ask him what's happening. I don't ask my editors what's happening either. Ooh. Because I tend to like to be surprised. Cause, because it's. Some of it stems from I want to capture the emotion fresh when I know what happens, then translate that into what I think the readers would want to get from that. Mm. Um, That being said, it's I think the best thing about the story we're going to see is how when when certain hints of what this world actually is start to come up, who stays friends who who go the other way there's a challenge of their beliefs and and how they handle it how they handle the information the listeners can't see this but i have a very big sad face right now because i don't want to see this happen (laughs) you know it's interesting because that is a teen story right like Mm -hmm. again i think this goes back to your love of pop culture your love of storytelling is like putting yourself in the place of the reader and mm-hmm. really having this this want to be able to tell the best story for the reader. Mm-hmm. And even the, um, the excerpt from Stan Lee that was in this particular issue just talking about how you're all in this together. It's yeah. like all this team creation. It's the feedback. It's the love. It's the shared fandom mm-hmm. uh, that we all have for the X-Men. I think I'm... Because I'm a sports fan, I always use sports as an an analyze sports. And the ones that the teams that really succeed are the ones that are capable of taking their talents and working together. Then this is why I really do love the X Office. I I've known a lot of these guys for a long time. I've known Darren for a lot of years. I've known Ed since before he joined Marvel and and beyond that. And and to be so proud to be a part of the lives of these people that I've known for a lot of years and to see them grow from where they are still also helps give you that feeling of okay so we're all, all in this together I want to make sure that my part is done properly and on the time that I've said and the communication is there in case there's some problems or some issues but also not to make it other people's jobs harder you know because making comics is difficult uh, it's not the easiest thing and I think that, again, like that's why I, I do love team books. Oddly enough, this, like I did X-Men Blue and now Next Gen. Um, and you did Guardians. Yeah, Guardians. Mm-hmm. Marvel has put me on most. Mostly team? Yeah, actually Mostly, all team yeah. books now that I think about it. I mean, play yeah. to your strengths, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, it's it's good. And uh, I I mean, I always kind of joke that I'm I'm more fan, less artist, but. I don't know. There's that's all just it's a, it's a thin gray line. Yeah, it's, it's a, a thin, thin gray, gray line, line for sure. Well, and I think for you, it's so cool, like being able to look at your your imprint, right? Like for you, you really are a nerd who truly, like you really are a collector. Like you really do the things that you love. You have a collectible from every single book. Oh yeah, yeah, I try done. to. Yeah. So what's the one for this one? I'm just curious. I, this one's gonna be hard to find. I I don't know if there's a glob toy out there i mean maybe there is i i i um how would that work hmm it could be a plushie that'd be pretty neat a glob plushie would be pretty neat i don't want it like squishy like like if it was like maybe a stress toy that's kind of weird but it you know it would make sense i have this strange right. image of glob's eyes like, yeah popping yeah. out as you squish it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like also kind of as a nerd and i don't know if this is the same for you, is like we didn't always get an opportunity to see diverse characters, mm-hmm. and now you have that opportunity to create. Because mm-hmm. I like Next Gen is so diverse. Like mm-hmm. the whole um, set of mutants that are in this particular storyline are incredibly diverse: height, weight, size, color. I don't know a girl mm-hmm. with a shark head. The great thing about X Men, and it has always been like this, is was. Even well, way in back in the day, they were always trying to bring diversity into the world. Um, you know, uh, Giant Size X Men was probably one of the first children's novels that I read as a kid. Like it was a very easy kind of breakdown of, of it, and and to see so many characters from that were recruited from d- different parts of the world and. I still remember, you know, seeing them go out and recruit them, going to their homeland, and you saw, you know, um, all these characters from their backgrounds, from their national backgrounds, and that was a very unique thing, especially at the time um, in America, uh, to see uh, them trying to do these things, and I'd like to think that we want to carry that torch. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, group books are so challenging. You have twenty pages to to try to to make sure that you know the story con- continues along, um, but also to make sure that we see the diversity we see in the world we live in. Um, even if you live in a small town, you know there's 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 a lot of people from different parts of the world that live uh, in your own backyard, and um, you know I, I think that uh, us showing that is just showing what we all see, you know, every day. I think that's really what I love about comics, what I love about superheroes and this concept of how we have this ability to have people see themselves in comic books. Like, oh, yeah. have people see themselves as superheroes. To a lot of people, you are a superhero. Like, there are a lot of folks who really love your work, and your work is your Instagram is a lot of fun because it's just oh, like you. a huge portfolio. Like you can just like scroll on down. But what is your dream project? Oh, you know, I've been working in the industry for a long, long time. And, uh, and uh, 15, I, 15 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years. I started when I was 20 and I've lived it throughout this all, all the projects that I've worked on and wor- in a lot of ways, my choice, uh, I've had the benefit of doing so many cool things. Um, and after so many years, there are still projects that I would dream of. Like, I want Uncanny X-Men. 
or I want Spider-Man. I would love to draw Fantastic Four. There's so many that I would love to draw, but I'm also a believer in time is right. You know, I, I, I would always talk about um, projects I want to work on, but sometimes even the best projects, if the, the time isn't right or the combination of creators isn't right, I've realized over the time to ne- not push it because sometimes I've pushed mm-hmm. something and it, it, the dream job didn't become, didn't turn didn't out the way I wanted the dream it job. <laughs> because you, you were trying too hard to do something. And, and sometimes you have to just believe your instincts and understand that, you know, everything has its place and its time. And working on your dream project is a challenge because there's a balance between what you believe it should be and what it will end up being. And that's always the case. And, and there's, there's, there's a, Knowing that going into there will give you a good head start and into making sure that the end result of the product is for the fans to read and not for me to dictate. You know, dictate, yeah. yeah. All right, so I got quick fire questions. Okay, I'll try to try to do what I can. You got this. I believe in you. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Well, I, I wish I could just teleport to wherever I want to be. <laughs> what is your superpower? What is my superpower? Um, I'm like Deanna Troy, I guess. I'm empathetic. I have empathy for people. First memorable comic book? Uh, X-Men 1 with Jim Lee. That was the, the cover of it was the thing I begged my sister to buy me for my birthday because I was like, I need that. Get that for my birthday. All-time favorite comic book mashup. Mashup? Are we talking about like... If you could create any mashup of any universes, what would it be? <laughs> okay, so I, when I was a kid, I created a, a hero called Captain Crusader, and he had the visor and the, and the optic blast of Cyclops, the wings of Archangel, the, the steel arms of Colossus. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my thing. <laughs> so good. What does your current playlist look like? Oh man, I've been honestly. This might sound super nerdy. I only nowadays listen to Mozart and Chopin. It's I'm not mad at any of this. It is so relaxing, and it just opens my brain to start drawing right away. Because I believe in when you sit at the desk that you just start drawing. I don't. So it's no prep. You just yeah. On get the subway, I just start listening to it, and I read my book, and 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 by the time I get to the studio, I'm ready to draw. Shark Girl versus Jaws. Who wins? Ugh. I say Shark Girl. She has a neck she can turn. <laughs> you just need to be flexible. Yeah. You need to be malleable. Yeah. What does storytelling mean to you? Oh, that's a that's a tough rapid fire question. That's, that's the last a, question you got. Yeah. Well, storytelling is uh, is a window for other people to see you, I'd like to say. yeah, A window that you build for other people to see you. It can be as small or as big as you want, or it could be as transparent or as, as, uh, as or not <laughs> as you want. And I feel storytelling is that. Groovy. Rock and roll. That's it. <laughs> Painless. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me, Marcus. It was great. 
It's always interesting when you get to sit down with someone who is immensely talented and truly, at the end of the day, really cares about creating great art for fans to love. That's it for this week. I'll see you next time.